Welcome and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We are glad you're tuning in for this message. Enjoy and God bless. Good morning. Lynn and I will be sharing the word of God together today. So if you will, uh, turn to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to begin our reading there. <clears throat> and I want to also welcome our online viewers. Thank you for joining us today. Galatians chapter 3. If you will bring me down just a little bit. I hear an echo or a roar or something. Galatians 3. We're going to begin reading in verse 23. Galatians 3. Verse 23, and you could follow behind me on the wall. The scripture would be there as well. And Paul writes, Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith. Let's read that together. For you are all children of God through faith. All children of God. In Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belong to you. I want us to go back and I want us to read verses 28 and 29 together. Can we read that together? Let's read it. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Yes. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word today. Let God come and bless the speaking of your word. I thank you, Lord God, for this day. Thank you for an amazing atmosphere of worship and praise. And thank you for people, Lord God, who who understand the need to pursue you with a heart of worship. Now, Holy Spirit, as we turn our mind and our heart to your word, come, sir, and be joined with us in a most magnificent way. I pray that the way of grace and truth is released in this house today. I pray that freedom would come, liberty would come, ask you, Lord Jesus, to just walk amongst your people. Touch us how we need to be touched. 
Release your presence now. Let your glory consume us all as it fills this room. Permeate the entire atmosphere that we're in right now as your word is shared with the children of God. Holy Spirit, hide us behind your anointing. I pray that man or woman is not seen today, but that the heart of God is revealed in this house like never before. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Pastor Angela. Well, what an amazing day, huh? And I am excited again to have Leanne with me today on the platform. And Leanne and I are going to share the second part of Black and White Remix in a message entitled, The Stigma of Racism. The Stigma of Racism. And in this message, we're going to talk about steps that we can take as children of God, as, as, as heirs of, of, of faith, children of Abraham, steps we can take to improve racial relations by removing racial barriers. Those barriers are false teachings, hurts, and life events that keep people of different races separated thus preventing the communication and process needed to unify the human race. You see, there's only one race, and that's the human race. Man created something that God never intended, and that is classes erased based on a person's exterior. The stigma racism. Stigma is defined as a mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person. Stigma is a set of negative and often unfair, say that would mean unfair. Stigma is a set of negative and often unfair beliefs that a society, a group of people have about something. If there's one thing that rivals the political unrest or the unrest that we see in America caused by the political climate in America, I believe it's the stigma of racism and the racial tension that it bears. A tension that only serves to strengthen or fortify the barriers that are separated the human race. For racial relations to improve, those barriers have to come down. Racism is prejudice. It is discrimination. It is antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is somehow better or superior. Racism, racism is the belief that all members of a race possess characteristics or abilities that are specific to that race, especially to distinguish it as inferior or superior to another 
race, or races. Last week we talked about the dangers of the political climate in America. Does that mean that's popping like that? Okay. All right, let me see. Is that better? I hope that's better. All right. Sometimes my mic gets a little... Okay, let's see if that's going to work. Last week we talked about the uh, political climate in America and how that, that has created separation. And one of the dangers, I believe, so again, let me use your mind. We've encountered this before where for some reason things just don't want to work and I always think it's the work of the enemy, amen, but that's okay. One of the dangers, I believe, in taking a strong partisan political position is any separation that you give yourself over to can lead to further separation or it can lead to the acceptance of a barrier being placed between you and others that may not have existed before. A few months ago, I was in a meeting with a very prominent Caucasian Foursquare leader. And this leader made a statement that made me sit up and pay attention. This is what she said. One thing the current political climate in America has revealed is the civil rights movement may have changed the laws written in books, but it did not change what is in the heart of the people. Now this is from a very prominent Caucasian female leader. And I reflected on her words, I had to agree. I had to agree that what was happening in the world of politics was not creating hatred or racism in America. It was simply exposing what already existed. You see, racism is not a society problem. It's a heart problem. So the laws that exist in the books, they're very important because those laws are designed to ensure that all people are treated, treated, are treated the same concerning matters of the law. But what's written in the books of man will not change the heart of man no more than what was written in God's law changed the hearts of his people. God, however, can change what is in our hearts if we allow him to. It is a matter of the heart. In our text today, Paul wrote in Galatians 3, the man was placed under guard by the law. He said the law kept us in protective custody until the way of faith was revealed. Paul said, let me put it another way, because maybe some of you didn't get it, didn't, didn't understand that. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. Listen, if all the law of God, if that, what Paul said, if that was all the law of God could do, please hear me. Can we really expect the laws of man to do more? 
You see what Paul is saying? He's saying, listen, the law was a guard. It was just to protect you. Until the way of faith came about through Jesus Christ. But the law could not perfect God's people. So if God's law could not do it, why do we think man's law is going to do any more? Paul goes on to say, but we are all now children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. So when you look at me, what do you see? Do you see the exterior that I was born into? Or do you see the new clothes that God has now put on me through Christ Jesus? Not only is God's law now written in our hearts, but God has also clothed us outwardly. Therefore, we should see no man based on what he or she looks like on the outside. We're all children of God, regardless of race, and we must accept each other as such. For in Christ Jesus, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for we are all one in Christ. So let's remove the barrier of the racism that has divided a human race by focusing on four areas. We're going to focus on four areas today. Our speech, our hearing, our sight, and our heart. When we first started visiting and coming to Restoration, Pastor Huey would always refer to Sherry and I as the Coleman girls. Now, growing up in Coleman, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's That's okay. who they worded me. <laughs> Growing up in Coleman, I was very limited on the cultures that I was exposed to. Uh, when I was growing up, it was not unusual for me to go six months or more and never see anyone who wasn't Caucasian. And from the time I started kindergarten until the time I graduated high school, I can think of probably four African-American students that I ever went to school with. And none of them were there at the same time. There was a young man in elementary school. There was a set of sisters in junior high. And there was a young man in high school. And with the exception of the young man in high school, they were only there for a short period of time because they lived in the children's home in Coleman. Now, later on in my 20s, I had the opportunity to live in Savannah for three months, working with inner-city African-American children. And this was the first time in my life that I had ever been the minority. And to say it was a culture shock would be really an understatement. Uh, to go from, uh, I was 25 at that point, and to go from that into a culture where I am the minority, it was, it was a shock. Um, if you're from Coleman or if you know someone from Coleman, uh, if you've ever passed through Coleman or if you've ever heard anything about Coleman... <laughs> then I would assume that you are probably aware of the stigma uh, that Coleman carries. And, 
You know what? Being a Caucasian person from Coleman sometimes carries a stigma with it as well. Um, unfortunately, in the past, my hometown didn't have the best reputation for the way that they treated uh, different ethnic groups, especially African Americans. And one of the first discussions that we ever had with a friend that we made here, um, I don't know that we'd even started coming to church services. I think we're just involved in winning women. But one of the first conversations we ever had, she said that her family, she and her family would never stop in Coleman for gas, not even if the car was running out. And that crushed me because that was the first time I'd ever had anybody that was really a part of my life to tell me that that's how I feel about it. Mm. Mm. I was fortunate to grow up in a home. My immediate family, we didn't discriminate against anybody and, and the color of your skin was never an issue. But if you went outside of my immediate family then racism and prejudice was very, very prominent. So when Pastor Huey would refer to us as the Coleman girls, I literally wanted to crawl under the chair. It made me so uncomfortable. I thought, please do not call, please do not call us that. I never said anything because he didn't know, but I was thinking, we love it here. And, and... <laughs> Please, we, we want to make friends. And every time you refer to us as that, it is not helping. <laughs> it's the truth. I knew when he was saying it that he was not trying to make us uncomfortable or to put a label on us. I knew that he was saying it out of love. That's just where we were from. I'm sure if we'd been from Tennessee and been coming to church here, he would have said, there's my Tennessee girls. But at that point, it was my past experience and what I thought that the people around me were thinking that made me want to shrink back. So that brings us to point one. Point one, that is not what I meant. Point one is that is not what I meant. I think miscommunication is one of those things that sometimes builds tension, whether it be racial, political, personal, religious, whatever it is. Too often we get offended, we get upset, we get mad, we get scared about something that someone says, and the whole time, that's not what they meant. Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We've got to give people a pass. Guess what? Sometimes people are going to say things that rub us the wrong way. Or make us want to crawl under our chairs. But they may not know that it makes us feel that way. Mm. Or that it wasn't okay for them to say. Sometimes people make innocent comments out of ignorance. Am I talking about stupidity? No, I'm talking about ignorance. They're, they're, they're doing it out of a lack of knowledge, out of a lack of education, out of a lack of awareness. It's our responsibility to turn miscommunication into good communication. Our relationships and our, li- and our lines of communication need to be such that we feel the freedom to say, Explain this to me. Yeah. Right. That's right. 
What did that mean for you? What does this situation mean to you? What does it mean to your culture? What does it mean to your race? Why did it make you feel that way? Why should I not say that? You know, why? okay, there are some things it's okay for you to say, but not okay for me to say. I need you to tell me those things because sometimes I'm just walking in ignorance. (laughs) Racism seeks to divide and destroy. It's the enemy of freedom, and we must meet it head on in love. So if you have been the one who said something offensive or something hurtful like I did with my dear sister Leanne, (laughs) even out of ignorance, be willing to say I'm sorry. That's not what I meant. At the same time, if you're on the receiving end, be willing to say, uh, be willing to have the conversation with them and say, explain to me why. So the Coleman girls <laughs> eventually, eventually became my Coleman girls. And those were not words of shame coming from my mouth. They were words of endearment. Because I love you girls very much. But Leanne and Sherry didn't know that. And I can only imagine what poor Roger must have felt. (laughs) He probably just felt, I know, he just felt left out altogether. (laughs) But do you see how words can send the wrong message? Even words that are innocent. That's why we must communicate. Words are powerful. They can build a bridge or they can erect a barrier. And the message that we send with our words can have very dire consequences. The political divide in this country has been exasperated by two primary things outside of the political climate of America. Those two things are the Black Lives Matter movement and the shooting of cops, policemen, who risked their lives to protect and safeguard our communities. Do black lives matter? Absolutely. But so do the lives of all people. White lives matter. Amen? Caucasian lives matter. Lives of people that have come from other other parts of the world matter. All lives matter, including the cops that are being targeted in retaliation to perceptions of wrong. The problem as I see it, church, is not in the message, but the problem is in the messengers. Those who propagate the ancient ways of Judaism, an eye for an eye, instead of the peaceful ways of Jesus, which is the way of grace and forgiveness, are building barriers that are keeping races separated. So, to the activists who believe that violence is a solution, I would say this. What separates the civil rights movement from movements of the day is those who participated in the civil rights movement knew that if the message was going to be victorious, the messengers 
had to become victims. Do you hear me? That's what separates movements from the day from past movements that were successful. It was all about the message. If the message is going to be victorious, then messengers had to be willing to be victims. And to those who are turned off by the Black Lives Matter movement, I would say this. Look past the messengers and hear the message. Look past the messengers and hear the message. There's something that is right in both camps and there is something that is evil in both camps. Racism is ugly because it strips others of their humanity, thus causing us to see them outside of the image that God, that, of God that they were created in. So if you want to move from poor, bad, and miscommunication with people of another race, then take time to hear their stories. Also, share your story with them. Open up your heart. Put yourself in a vulnerable position. Be willing to be hurt. And watch what happens. That brings us to point number two. It's all about the story. When people communicate their life story, no matter how bad it may seem, their honesty and openness invites the Lord into their brokenness. Listen, please hear me. If you're struggling with anything I've said so far, please hear this. Your story may have defined your past, and to some degree, your present, but your story does not have to determine your future. Your story, whatever it is, does not have to define your future because your future is yet being written. So invite God and invite others into your future by sharing the things that shaped your thoughts and ideas, things that may have created racism in your heart. Dr. Martin Luther King said, racism is not an opinion, it is an offense. He also said, nobody is born a racist, but society teaches it. The society you grew up in, your family, the environment you grew up in has shaped your perspectives on life. This is the good news. Since your story is still being written, God can write chapters that do not contain racism and separatism. God can write chapters of unity. He can write chapters of oneness, chapters of love for others, chapters that avoid a barrier of racism because in Christ Jesus we're all the same regardless of what we look like on the outside and regardless of our past. Malachi 2.10 says, are we not all children of the same father? Listen to this. Are we not all children of the same father? Are we not all created by the same God? then why do we betray each other violating the covenant of our ancestors? And those ancestors referred to 
are the ancestors of faith. Revelation 5, 9 says the blood of Jesus has, has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. We may have been born with different outer garments, but we're now clothed in new garments, which are all the same. So will you look past what you see on the outside and see the garments that people are now clothed in? Let me give you an example of how racism can be formed in someone. And this may be a crude example, but sometimes shocking things really help us get the message. The father of a 10-year-old girl is murdered by someone of another race. That tragedy shapes how she feel about all people of that race. And even the thought of what happened can bring on feelings of hatred towards that people group. Now, we know that God doesn't want her to live with hatred in her heart. But please hear me. If her story is not heard, and if compassion is not shown for her, it'll be easy for her to justify and cling to that hatred. We have to hear the story. We have to have compassion for all people. Most people who grew up in a dysfunctional family will not admit that it was dysfunctional because of shame. So they struggle with what's in their heart. Please hear me. Refusing to admit that mom and dad were racist. Refusing to admit that the environment that they grew up in created something in their heart that God hates. Point number three, see the best in others. See the best in others. Has anyone ever encountered someone who always assumes the worst of someone? Always thinks that there's ulterior motives uh, for acts of kindness? Has a suspicious attitude about everyone and everything? Maybe that's you. <laughs> Come on. <coughs> I didn't ask you to raise your hand. Come I'm on. just saying. <laughs> Most of the time, people who struggle with that kind of thing uh, do so because of past experiences. Yes. They've been hurt, they've been used, they've been abused, they've been taken advantage of. Yes. And we end up putting a label on everyone because of the actions of a few. Yes, yes, yes. You've heard the expression, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater? That concept suggests an avoidable error in which something good is eliminated when trying to get rid of something bad. Mm. Or in other words, rejecting the essential along with the inessential. Yes, yes. Now I'm not discounting discernment. Uh, that's a God-given gift. But don't slap the title of discernment on prejudice and suspicion to make it appear okay. Discernment is a God-given gift, but do not slap the title of discernment on prejudice and suspicion to make it appear okay. 
God didn't create us to discern everyone that was different from us right out of our lives. Yes, come on now. And the thing is, when we talk about prejudice, it's not always just about the color of our skin. You also have those, unfortunately, uh, who will go above and beyond to do something for someone who has the right clothes, the right car, the right house, uh, the right size checkbook. They'll fall all over themselves trying to make sure that the VIP knows that someone realizes there's someone important. Yes, yes, yes. I've been in churches, unfortunately, where you have pastors, not in this one, uh, who will elevate someone and make sure that they go out of their way to make someone feel welcome, to put them in a position, to make sure they have the best seat in the house, to do all those things because there's a check behind it. Come on now. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> when we favor one particular person or group because of what they have or what they can do for us, we're sinning. That's right. When we favor one particular group or per, one particular person or group because of what they have or what they can offer, we're sinning. Yes. You say, well, I don't think we are. Well, James 2, 1 through 4 says, My fellow believers, do not practice your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of partiality. Toward people, show no favoritism, no prejudice, no snobbery. For if a man comes into your meeting place wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in dirty clothes also comes in, and you pay special attention to the one who wears the fine clothes, and say to him, you sit here in this good seat. And you tell the poor man, you stand over there or sit down on the floor by my footstool. You have not discriminated among, you have not discriminated. Have you not? She see it. Technology's great until it's not and the print's this big. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with wrong motives? We are called to do two things. Yes. We're called to love God, and we're called to love people. And how can we do either of those if we're harboring prejudice towards someone? Maybe even someone sitting on our row. I'm just saying. Sometimes we want to come into church, and we want to act like, oh, we're loving everybody, but we know what we're harboring in here where nobody else can see. So if we're harboring prejudice towards someone, maybe even someone sitting on our row because of their race, because of their religion, or because of their class, prejudice and racism in any form will create division and strife, even in the church. And if our goal is to be more like Christ, then we must strive to love the way that he did. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, this is out of the Amplified Bible. Love bears all things regardless of what comes. It believes all things, looking for the best in each one. It hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times. It endures all things without weakening. Are we loving the way that Christ loved? If we're truly loving the way that Christ loved, prejudice and racism won't be an issue. Amen. 
So racism, racism is not a state of one's mind, but a condition of one's heart. In other words, it's a heart problem. If we do not like someone because of how they look on the outside, it is not their appearance that's the problem. It's our heart. Point number four is racism is an issue of the heart. 1 John 3, 14 through 16 says that we love our brothers and sisters who are believers. It proves that we've passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. And anyone, say that with me, anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. That's strong. 1 John 2.11, but anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. Racism and the heart of God does not mesh. They do not go together. And finally, in Matthew 21, 28-31, Jesus gives a parable about a father and his two sons. Listen to what he said. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, nope, not going to go, daddy. But later he changed his mind and he went anyway. The father told the other son, son, you go. This son said, yes, sir. But he didn't go. Jesus then asked this question. Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. So let me conclude by asking you this question. What made the older son obey his father? I submit to you. He obeyed because of what was in his heart, not in his head. We should be the same way concerning matters of racism and make sure that what is in our heart is pleasing to God. Let's not be like the other son who obeyed in word only. He gave his father good lip service. But the ways of righteousness were not found in his heart. As we prepare to close today, let us all be reminded to be mindful of our words, but to also be willing and open to be honest with those around us about racial issues. Be willing to look deeper than the surface. Take the time to not only listen to someone's story, but to hear it as well. There's a difference. There's a difference in listening to something and hearing it. And we've got to be willing to take the time to hear what someone is sharing with us.
We got to always look for the best in people. Yes. And love like Jesus loved. Do your part to make sure that you're cultivating healthy relationships with those around you. Yes. Pastor Rick Warren said, racism is stupid. It's an insult to God. Arrogantly implying that God goofed up when he chose to make us all different. Wow. No matter your race, religion, or social status, we're all equal, created in the image of God. We all came here by birth, and we will all leave by death. And that's a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We hope you were encouraged and empowered by today's message. If you would like to learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.